Okay. Hey, we better pray to get this thing reorganized here, back on the track. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. We just thank you for the joy that comes in serving Jesus. We thank you, Lord, as Nehemiah the prophet, or Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, Lord, we just pray that there would be an impartation of joy in each and one of our lives that would be growing, and that joy would be our strength. Lord, in a world that's so zapped of joy, lacking, depleted, Lord, may your people, yes, Lord, may your people be people of joy, that people would see that there's something different, and it's not us, it's you in us, living through us. And Lord, we want to be more like Jesus. We just thank you for this time together. And it's in your name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Hey, thanks for being here this morning. Hey, I want to begin this morning with um, just sharing a thought. Just sharing a thought. And it's a thought that's um, been going through my mind, um, especially this week in preparation for this message. And I just want to share it with you. Let me know what you think. Couple of weeks, you'll be talking about these in your small group, and you can really say, "Oh, this guy's off his rocker." Okay, but anyway, three thoughts or a thought that I've been having, and this is what I want to share with you this morning. What if I told you that there are three sets of plans for your life? That there's three sets of plans for you individually. There's three sets of plans for your life, and here's the cool thing, and I want you to hear this. So listen carefully, and that is that you have you have the freedom. You have the freedom to choose what set of plans you're going to live by. So three sets of plans for your life, but you have been given freedom, a free will, to choose what set of these plans that you will live by. So let's go through these quickly. The first set of plans is what I call your plans, okay? Your plans. These are the plans that each one of us have for our own lives. Does that make sense? We have plans, okay? And actually, James addresses this group of people in, the, in James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to carry on business. We're going to make money. What's James doing? He's saying, hey, it's natural for people to just come up and say that this is my plans. I have a plan for my life. So the first set of plans is your plans. Now the second set of plans and this may surprise some of you, but um, I want to bring you into the game, and that is the, third, the second set of plans is the plans that other people have for your life. How many understand that there's going to be other people in your life that are going to try to have their plans for your life? Does that make sense? Okay. And that may include a, um, a spouse. That may include a parent. It may include a friend. It may include your employer has a wonderful plan for your life, okay? Hey, how many people know even the government may have a wonderful plan for your life? And um, more on the serious note, there's an enemy for your soul, and he is Satan the devil. And I don't want to get too scary here, but the honest truth is that he has a plan for your life. Do you agree with that? Jesus even addressed this. He said his plan is to what? steal, kill, and destroy. I don't want any part with that. Okay. So there's our plans. It's the plans that other people have for you. And number three is where we want to kind of camp out today, and that is that God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. So this is what I want you to do not only today, this is what I want you to do the rest of the week, if you would. 
if you would begin to ask yourself, do I believe, do I really believe that God has a plan for my life? Do I believe that or is that just for certain super Christians, certain blue bloods? Or do I believe that for me, that God has a plan for my life? So here's my follow-up question to all this, and that is, which set, of, which set of these plans do you think are the best for your life? I want you to really think about that, not just today, not in just this 30-minute time span, but I want you to think about that all week. What set of these plans do you think are best for your life? Your plans for yourself, the plans that other people have for you, or the plans that God has for you? And I don't know about you, but I think it's safe to say that right off the bat that we could cross off number two. We know that that's not really a good place to be, the plans that other people have for your life. That's not really a good place. So I think you can cross two off right away, but then you got one and three remaining. What set of plans? Maybe your plans. I want you to read a verse about your plans, by the way. James, in that same verse that we read earlier, 13, he goes on in verse 14, it says, now really, guys and gals, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? I mean, come on now. At the beginning of 2020, who thought we would be where we are today? Is there anybody who would say, yeah, I knew exactly that was going to happen? If you did, talk to me later. I, I have a word for you, okay? <laughs> but how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Because the truth is your life is like the morning fog here for a little while, and then it's gone. It's hard to believe when you're young, isn't it? How many people know it's a little easier to believe as you get older? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's true, okay? So maybe my thought is we could even cross off that one. Because by the way, Proverbs 69 says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's a great word. So I'm going to think we're going to cross off the plans of others, really seriously think about our own plans. But remaining, we have God's plans, okay? And here's a cool verse given by the prophet Jeremiah to, his, to God's people. And I know the context of the verse. They're in exile. They're in captivity. I'm fully aware of that. But it's a verse that we often see inside of a graduation card, maybe from high school, maybe from college, Many of us have seen this verse, but it's the truth. Jeremiah 29, verse 11 is the address, by the way. Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, God speaking, for I know the... Everybody say that word together. Plans. For I know the plans I have for you. Is it possible that God knows the plans he has for me, for you, for us? Declares the Lord, they are plans to... Everybody say the word... Let's not misuse that word to think only about materialism. There's much more to that word than material things. I'd rather my soul prosper. Amen. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. How many people want to latch on to hope and a future? So what I want us to see, and this is my prayer throughout the week, this is what I want us to see is that God's plans for our lives the plans that God, and it's not singular, it's plural, the plans that God has for our life are better 
than my own plans that I have for my life. And they're better than the plans that other people have for my life. I don't know about you, but the older I get, and hopefully I'm getting wiser, hopefully I'm getting more spiritually mature and spiritually mature and emotionally mature. But I see that God's plan is so good. Because God is good, and everybody said all the time. Okay. God's plan. So here's the question of the morning. This is where we're going to transition. We're going to look at one word today. And that is the question is, how can we experience God's plans for our lives? You say, Mike, that's great. God's plans are good. Yay, I'm on board. Put me on, I'm on the team. But how can I begin to experience God's plans for my life? They're there. How can I walk, step into those things? And today it's a one-word answer, but it's a very unpopular word that most times is used in a very negative context. But I want to introduce you to a word today that I want you to be, I want it to become your friend. Not a long-distance enemy, but a friend. Because this word will help you to begin to walk in the plans and the beauty of what God has for you. And the word is simply this. Let's all say it together. Surrender. Isn't that a fun word? Surrender. We're not big fans of surrendering. So let's look at this word surrender. We're going to camp out here just for a minute. Surrender, what does it mean? Looked at many different definitions this week of the word surrender. I'm going to go with the most elementary, basic definition of surrender because it's really this simple. And that is that surrender means to yield to the power or the control of another. So I can, when I surrender, I stop. I'm not, it's just not me on my pace of doing my plans. I, I yield. When I surrender, I yield. And what am I yielding to? I'm yielding to the power or the control of another. And in the context of this conversation this morning, the one that I'm suggesting that we surrender to is that we surrender and yield to the control of who? Of God. And I want to let you know, we are, I want you to surrender to the ones who has the best plans for your life. I want that for you. I want that for me. Surrender. I want to yield to what God has for me. I want to say, God, I'm no longer in the driver's seat. I want to put you in the driver's seat. I'll, I'll, drive, I'll be shotgun, okay? But I want to say, God, I want to yield to you. But I need you to hear this very carefully, what I'm about to talk about for like three minutes. It's very, very important. And that is you need to understand this thought. Please get this thought in your mind, and that is that there's different levels of surrender. Does everybody understand that? There are different levels of surrender. So I really want to get away from my notes and really talk from my heart just here for a few minutes And that first level, we're going to call the initial level of surrender. The initial level of surrender. By the way, all these levels of surrender are going to affect our relationship with God. Each one of these levels is going to make our relationship with God even better. And the first initial level of surrender is the day that we surrender to Jesus Christ as our Savior. That, my friends, I believe is the first initial step of surrender is when I realize that, God, there is no possible way I can have peace with you. I don't care how good I am. I don't care how many good works I do. I don't, Lord, none of that matters. There's no works of the flesh. There's nothing I can do for salvation. My only hope, 
my only hope is in your son, Jesus Christ, who came to die on the cross for my sins and was risen again so that I could be risen and have life. And that's the first step of surrender is when I say, Jesus, I surrender to you for salvation because Jesus, I cannot do what needs to be done. My only hope is in your son, Jesus. Okay, does everybody understand that? So if you're a believer today, I would assume, well, if you're a believer, I'm not assuming, I'm, I'm, believing, I'm saying it's a fact that you have surrendered to Jesus. You have surrendered to him as your savior. Just so you get that word in your mind, can you say that word out loud together? Savior. So that first step of surrender is about who's your savior. Now there's a second step of surrender. It's all about, we're going to change the word from savior, and we're going to change the word to, does anybody want to take a guess? Lord. See, for a lot of people, Jesus is savior, but is he Lord? Because lordship means that as time goes in our life, as we walk in this relationship with Christ that we started at salvation, there are steps, there's going to be times that we're called to greater, greater surrender throughout our lives. And in those steps, what happens, it brings greater intimacy with God. It brings greater freedom. It brings greater fulfillment. Here's what I'm thinking today. Follow my thoughts, and I want to say these words in in the presence of God. I want to be very careful. I believe from experience my life. I'll speak for me, not you. That's a good way of putting it. I believe that you can have a relationship with the Lord. You could say, yes, I initially surrendered to Jesus. I can remember back fifth grade, whatever year that was, 1972. Most of us can say, I remember I took that first initial step of surrender. But I think it's, could it be, could it be, could it be possible that after that initial step of surrender, now we go on and just continue to live our own lives? Think about it. Is it possible now we just continue to go and we do things our own way? And what I'm suggesting today is I believe the pattern that God wants us to grab a hold of is after we have that first initial surrender, that now we continue to go on to live a life of surrender. And the more I understand this, the more I'm realizing that really surrender, for me anyway, and I'm thinking it's true for all of us, surrender is not one and done. Surrender is daily. Daily. Can everybody say that word together? Daily. Surrender is not a one and done thing. It's a daily thing. That's why, that's why the Apostle Paul writes radical verses like Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. And look what he says here. He says, it's no longer... I no longer live. But he says, Christ lives in me. And I believe what he's saying in our context this morning, he's saying, you know, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer my own plans that I pursue. It's not only my things that I do. He says, now I surrender to what? I surrender to what 
Christ would have me to do. And really, that's a daily thing. It's each and every day, Lord, I get up, I surrender to what you have for me today, okay? So what does surrender look like? I want to make sure that we get this. There's two things I want to look at. Surrender is really about trust. Trust. I mean, look at this verse. We, we've read this verse since we've been around the church for ages. Here's this wonderful verse out of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It talks about trust, and it really talks a lot about surrender. Trust in the Lord with just a part of your life. Is that what it says? No, it says, trust in the Lord with what? Everybody together, with all your heart. Check out the next phrase. It's even more mind-boggling. And lean not on your own understanding. How many people know that's really the American way? We lean upon our own understanding. But this writer saying, hey, don't lean on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways. In all your ways in all your choices, and all your decisions, acknowledge him and he will make your, what, path straight. So a big part of surrender is when we come to this place where we trust. We trust God with everything we have. We acknowledge him in everything we do. That's a surrendered life. Lord, everything I do, I bring to you. I I bring to your wisdom, your counsel, your direction. But there's a second word that's big about surrender, and everybody loves this word. Everybody, let's say this word together. It's what? Obedience. A surrendered life is an obedient life. And one of the primary things you're obedient to is you're obedient to what? The word of God. You're obedient to the word of God. Even when it doesn't make sense in our culture, A surrendered life says, Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, I will obey you. And I think one of the greatest examples of this, and it was in one of the early episodes of The Chosen, by the way. You need to watch it. But anyway, it's the life of Peter. Peter, one of the disciples, one of the sons of thunder, the closest disciples, one in the group of three. And by trade, we know what Peter was. He was what? He was a He was a fisherman. So to make a living, you got to do what? You got to catch fish. We are really smart here this morning. We got to catch fish. So what happens is Peter goes out and he's going out to fish in the morning hours. He's out all night fishing. And the story goes like this, that Peter went out fishing all night and he caught how many fish? Does anybody know? Goose egg. In your life, that would mean you had a horrible day at the office. In your life, that would mean whatever, you're, whatever you do, you just had a horrible day, failure. But if you read the story, I think it's in um, Luke chapter 5. It is. I'm not thinking. I know it's in Luke chapter 5. And that is the story in Luke chapter 5 is that Peter comes in. He's exhausted. He's discouraged. Now you got to go home and tell your wife that you failed at work today. You didn't make ends meet. And on the beach that day, there was our Savior, Jesus. We know the story. So what does Jesus do? Jesus takes Peter's boat, and he launches out just a little, and he begins to teach from Jesus' boat, or from Peter's boat. He begins to teach the crowds. 
Then when he's done teaching, this is what Jesus says. Here's his exact words to Simon Peter. He says, now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. So here you have a carpenter, teacher, Messiah, telling a fisherman how to live his life. He says, okay, go out to where it's deeper, let down your nets and catch some fish. Listen to Peter's response. He says, Master, we worked hard all last night, and we didn't catch a thing. But, everybody say that word, but. But if you say so. By the way, that's a, those are words of surrender. But if you say so. Lord, it doesn't make sense what you're calling me to do. It's not making sense what you want me to do. But Lord, if you say so, look what he says, I'll let down the nets again. So they do this. Verse 6 of that passage in Luke 5 says, and this time their nets were so full of fish that they begin to tear. And if you, on the chosen, it's beautiful. The nets are tearing, all the other fishermen are running to help put the fish in the boat. And I just want to let you know, Surrender it is a life of obedience. And God is calling us to certain things through his word. And there's other times that God calls us to certain things through the, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Are we familiar with that terminology, the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Meaning I believe as a Christian, we, have the, we all have been given this Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And throughout the day, if we'll listen to his voice, he'll give us direction, he'll give us guidance. He promised to lead us, to guide us. And throughout the day, there's times where the Holy Spirit will say, hey, this is what I want you to do. And what it takes is it takes obedience. It takes surrendering to that voice. But it's when we surrender to that voice, where that's when we begin to see the activity of God in our lives. Greater intimacy, greater freedom, greater joy is when we surrender and listen to that voice. And sometimes that voice may be as simple as, hey, dads, and I know what it's like that you come home and you haven't done all your work yet at work and you're bringing your work home, you know what I mean? And the kids are all on the floor playing. You may hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit say, put down the work, go play with the kids. And what's that called? That's called surrendering to the voice of the Spirit. And that happens all the time. If we will open our ears and if we'll be soft in our hearts, that happens all the time, this this call to surrender. Surrender. I don't want to do it, but God, if you're calling me to go and talk to that person, I'll surrender. God, if you're calling me to go buy their beverage and I don't really want to do that, I'll surrender, I'll do it. So what I want us to see is there's this initial surrender, but there's gonna be a call of surrender on your life as a Christian from that point forward every day of your life. Does does anybody agree with me this morning? You're looking at me like, is this guy lost it? Which is nothing new, okay? But there's gonna be a call in your life from that point to this, God is gonna call you to surrender. Surrender your will to his will your desires to his desires, your wants to his wants. There's going to be that call of surrender. 
But here's the truth, and I'll be very transparent with you. There's times that there's going to be barriers to surrender. And I think there's three barriers. We're going to look at these real quick. The first barrier is fear. We have a fear. Fear, God, what will happen if I totally surrender to you? Will you come through if I do what you're calling me to do? And I want to encourage you with these two words, he will. He will come through. Yes? Because here's the deal. He's a good father. He's a good, good father. But that's a a barrier for a lot of people. God, can you really live your life better than I can for myself? I fear that, but I want to let you know you don't have to fear. God's got you. His plans for your life are plans not to harm you, but to prosper you for hope and a future. Here's another big barrier is people have pride. Pride is a very big barrier because the fact is we all want to be in the driver's seat of our car. We all want to be the one in control of our lives. We all think we know how to do it better than even the creator who made us in his image and his likeness. Just think how crazy that is. We all want to be in the driver's seat. Nobody wants to be shotgun. Nobody wants to be a passenger. But we have this pride. And a lot of times, pride will be the barrier that keeps you from surrendering your life, yielding your life to God and his plan for your life. And I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said these words. He said these words, and they speak directly to us today. The reason why many are still troubled, why many are still seeking, still making little forward progress. Does that sound like your life? You're making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. Ouch. He concludes by saying, we're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work in us. That's us. We're trying to do all these things. We're trying to be the one in control and God's saying, hey, I'll let you be in control. Let's see what kind of results you come up with. Wisdom is when we come to that place and we say, God, I'll put my prideful self aside. And I'll say, God, even when it doesn't make sense, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll respond as you will call me to respond. But there's other, one other one. And another big barrier to surrender is people have confusion about what surrender really is. I want to let you know that surrender is not passive. It's not resignation. It's not fatalism. It's not an excuse to be lazy. It doesn't mean that you give up rational thinking. Does everybody hear that? It doesn't mean you just quit thinking and say, okay, God, you take the wheel. No, he gave you a mind, and I don't believe that God wants us to waste the mind that he's given us. God doesn't want us to be robots that serve him. Surrendering is not repressing your personality. God wants to use your unique personality. So we have this confusion about surrender. We we have a misunderstanding of what it is, and it's none of those things. It's saying, God, I yield to the one who made me in his image, in his likeness. C.S. Lewis said it this way, the more we let God take over, the more truly ourselves we become. Why? Because he made us. I love that. The more we let God take over, the more truly yourself you will become because he is the one that made you. I like that. So here's my closing question this morning. 
And please don't let this be a question just for the next five minutes, but let this be a question that you ask yourself through this week. Because at the beginning of 2020, you know, a lot of people get a word. You know, how many people have heard get your word for the year? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Get your word? I'm out there by myself, okay? (laughs) Get your word. Get a word that God gives you for the year and go with it. Well, one of my words was risk, but my other word was surrender. Surrender. So here's my closing question. Will you surrender completely to God? and his perfect plan for your life. Will you surrender completely to God and his plans for your life? Will there come a day where you'll yield to his power and his control over your life because you know you believe that he can do it better than you can? Will you surrender completely? And like I said, it's not a one and done thing. It's a daily, daily. It even happens on Mondays. Dreaded Mondays are days of surrender, Tuesdays. It's the life that we're called to in Christ, a life of surrender. Because one last quote, I love these quotes. This one's by a guy named E. Stanley Jones. And that is, if you don't surrender to Christ, you'll surrender to chaos. Now, I want everybody to hear that this morning. I'm going to say it one more time as our team comes, if the team would come at this time. And that is, hey, gang, I love you. I care for you. I'm not doing this for my sake. I'm here to try to help us all. And the truth is, if you don't surrender to Christ, not only for your salvation, but every day after that, where it becomes not only just about Savior, but he's the Lord of your life. If you don't surrender to Christ, you will surrender to a life of chaos. Because here's the deal. You don't have all the answers. You don't have all the power. You don't know the future, but he does. He does. So what I'm calling us to do today, my action call is this. Will you surrender your life completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And if you do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now, it won't be easy, but it will be really rewarding. You'll be so happy that you did. Because the one who made you, the one who created you, knows your days from the first to the last. And he knows the beautiful plans that he has for you and their plans for you to prosper, not to fail. Plans for a future and plans for a hope. So like I said at the beginning, three sets of plans, your plans, the plans of others, in God's plans, you have the freedom to choose today and every day of your life, you have the freedom to choose what plans will you surrender to, yours 
others, or God's? And I think the go-to answer for all of our sakes is God's. Amen? He has a wonderful plan for your life. So why don't we do this this morning? I've asked the team to sing this specific song. So if we could all stand to our feet. We're going to sing one last song this morning. And as we sing this song, let's not just be mindless, but let's engage in the words, the lyrics. And let's really think about what we're singing as we sing this song. God bless you. Ah!